You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, working hard to bring you what's possible for your health. The Freighter and MCW Health Network is transforming the way healthcare is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. Today's episode is also brought to you by Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown is the number one destination in Wisconsin. That's right, the number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. And they're giving away Bears, Packers tickets. To enter, check them out on social media or stop in store for more information. Just tell them I sent you. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. Dusty Evely is on the show from Cheesehead TV, from Packer Report. He's going to be here for Expert Tuesday to talk about the Packers win over the Cowboys, where they stand offensively, what's going on defensively, what's working for them. And and I'm really excited to have him on the show. Been a fan of his work for a long time. I'm sure you're following him on Twitter. And if you're not, uh, why not fix that and read the work that he does? I am I am someone who... Uh, loves to read all the film breakdowns because I learned something. It is really incredible to find people who are really smart about play design and the nuances of schematic football. And I always want to learn that stuff. I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. It is I don't I wouldn't say it's a blind spot of mine, but I would say it's something that I'm always looking to improve because. It's always something that's evolving and changing, and I, I'm trying to stay up to date to it as best I can. Uh, but you know, guys like Dusty, Ben Fennel, uh, they do a great job with the film breakdowns. And and like I said, I learn something every time. I I won't read them every time I see their tweets or anything like that. So uh, really excited to bring that conversation to you. But let's start with some really positive injury news for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, We learned on Monday that Darnell Savage, the injury to his ankle, we think it is. Uh, It sounds like Rob Domofsky reported it is an ankle, a high ankle, no structural damage. I'm not exactly sure what that means in, in terms of the severity of the injury. It sounds like he dodged a bullet. And, you know, he was walking around on the sidelines, didn't seem to be... You know that impeded, but you never know with these kinds of injuries. A high ankle is is something that is scary. I mean, you you never want to see that kind of injury associated with a, a player who has really become core to what Green Bay does. You know, I I wonder how things are different if Savage plays against Dallas. How things change because 
you know, the, some of those Amari Cooper plays, maybe they're different if Darnell Savage is in the ball game. And and this is all something that I, I want to get back to. We're we're gonna move on from Packers Cowboys after today, but but this is something I really struggled with yesterday as I was going through notes from Packer fans and as I was going through the Locked On Packers fan hotline, going through tweets and and just seeing what was out there, and I was just really I don't. Uh, Taken aback is probably the wrong phrasing because I've seen this from fans before and disappointing is, I guess, accurate, but it doesn't fully encompass what I was feeling. Look, Packer fans are supposed to be among the most engaged, the most football savvy, the the smartest fan bases out there. And yet, all I seem... To, to be getting in terms of the the comments in my mentions are about the, the disaster of this team and oh they need to trade for a receiver and you know this is this team is not good enough they gave up all these yards and I tried to go back and explain that really this Packers Cowboys game was an ass kicking an ass kicking I mean after the second quarter Green Bay had a win probability over eighty seven percent. Once they were up 31-3, it it never dipped below 92%. The Packers dominated the Dallas Cowboys on the road without their best offensive skill player. And yet, all anyone wanted to talk about was that this team needed to trade for a receiver. That this team wasn't good enough. They need a receiver. What are you talking about? They No, they don't need a receiver. They just proved they don't need a receiver. Okay? They are 4-1. Four 4-1 and one. Four and one with road wins against Chicago and Dallas. Playoff teams from a year ago. Maybe they won't be playoff teams this year, but they are good teams. They got those wins without Emmanuel Sanders. Without Devontae Parker. I'm, I don't know what we're doing here anymore. The fact that we, we can't even look at a game in which Green Bay dominated and say Green Bay dominated. We have to look for the negative parts. And it's not everyone. I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm giving a lecture. I'm not dad sitting here yelling at you. I'm not the teacher in class trying to, to yell at three students who are being dicks while the rest of the class is sitting there nicely. I don't mean to be like that. Unfortunately, this is the reality of where we are with our media landscape. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so I have to sit here and and chastise those of you who felt this way. While there's going to be a, a huge portion of you that did not feel this way, but those people did not express their feelings to me. And, and it's certainly the, the positive feelings did not hit me the same way the negative feelings do. There is a compounding effect of that. And part of, of, of this is just cathartic for me to vent about it. <laughs> it, it but I, I don't know why anyone chooses the negative side of this. I don't know why any, any fan chooses to be this way. And I just, I hope for your own, the sake of your own mental health, that you choose, you choose a different path moving forward. But you know what? Some of you may be having issues in your personal life. 
maybe having issues in your sexual life. And that causes it itself to manifest in, in ugly ways on the internet. I understand that. But if that's the case, then let me tell you about our friends at Blue Chew. You have heard me talk about them before, but really listen this time because they can make your life better. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network offers many same-day care options to fit your busy schedule. Your health is important, so stay on top of it this football season. Take advantage of what is possible through one of the many convenient ways to get the care you need from the area's leading physicians. In need of primary care? Personalized care is delivered at more than 40 health centers and clinics throughout southeastern Wisconsin. Many locations offer Saturday and extended evening hours. You can even schedule that appointment directly online. Prefer to save yourself a trip? Schedule a visit site with your own doctor through the safe and secure MyChart app. Or request a virtual clinic appointment 24-7 and be seen by a board-certified provider in 30 minutes or less using your phone, tablet, or laptop. For more serious conditions, staff at urgent care clinics and emergency departments are ready to treat you when you need it most, even late at night. Whether in the comfort of your home or at one of many convenient locations... Freighter and the MCW Health Network staff will provide you with exceptional care rooted in innovation and discovery. To learn more about all these care options, visit www.freighter.com care or call 1-800-DOCTORS. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, this is what is possible. All right, let's get to Expert Tuesday. He is Dusty Evely. He is a Packer writer for Cheesehead TV. For Packer Report, he is also one of the myriad hosts on the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evely. Dusty, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Yeah, you bet, man. Thrilled to be here, Peter. Uh, th- this is not, I think, what anyone expected with, with the Packers going to Dallas shorthanded, and yet they come out with a major win. As you went back and watched it, and I was following a lot of the clips that you were putting out there as you were breaking down the game, watching the tape, or at least the the TV copy mm-hmm. at first, what were your top line takeaways from how Green Bay was able to attack this Cowboys team? You know, the, I mean, the, the shocking thing about it, I mean, you go into this game and it was, uh, they got those linebackers, man. You know, Cowboys have have those two stellar, uh, Van Der Esch and Smith, those linebackers. Uh, they, they attacked those guys really, really well. They did a lot of um, kind of getting Vitaly or, or, another, or another guy kind of taking advantage of some of those to get... Um, get Jones out of the backfield, you know, kind of getting those angles on those guys. And I mean, that's not the area you, you feel like you want to attack against the Cowboys, but they felt like they had something there, which they did uh, because Jones was able to get those angles and look, make Van Der Esch look silly. So, I mean, for some of that, I know this was um, I think the highest, highest targeted passing game in Aaron Jones's career. I think he's targeted eight times, which was one more than his previous high. Uh, so that was something they were looking to exploit that I think they did really well. 
Uh, they also had a lot of, um, which, which again, this is counterintuitive to kind of what we thought going in. They had a lot of kind of deep crossers. Uh, the Cowboys mm-hmm. played a lot of kind of single high safety. So you had a lot of those kind of deep crossers. You run across the face of the safety and then run something behind them. And if the guy, if the safety does not run with that crosser, you hit that guy. And if he does, you've got something behind him. They ran a lot of that, which with the pass rush of the Cowboys, I think coming into the game uh, by Football Outsiders pressure numbers, I think they were fifth in the league coming into this game. And, uh, you know, with Bulaga kind of banged up and, you know, obviously Lindsay went out early. Uh, it was kind of um, kind of crazy that Rodgers had enough time to do that, but they obviously felt like they had something there. So when they were taking their shots or, or even uh, the kind of mid to deep shots, they were doing a lot of kind of crossers across the face of that guy. So those were, I mean... I, it, it worked, uh, but neither of those things, if you told me before the game, uh, they're going to look to target those linebackers and also also look to get Rodgers some time and take some deep crossers down the field. I would have said neither of those are going to work, but uh, I am not very smart, so uh, I'm, I'm happy it did, I guess. Well, I disagree on that, but I, I want to talk about <laughs> one of the guys who was often involved in those um, high-low crosser concepts, and that's Marquez Valdez-Scantling because mm. there's a lot of discussion right now about his play and the, and the play of the Packer receivers, uh, are, are they good enough at that position? As I go back and watch, and and I will defer to you on, on this kind of thing, I see pretty consistently Green Bay finding ways to get him open in space, certainly getting him open a handful of times a game. I mean, two, three, four, five times a game, he looks like he is open in space down the field. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, they just can't find a rhythm. They can't. You know, against the Eagles, it was some pressure that that got them off. And against Dallas, there was a that play that looked like they they had that could have been a big play, and Rodgers underthrew him. They got the pass interference call still, but they aren't quite in rhythm there. What are you seeing with what they're trying to do with Marquez Valdez Scantling? Yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing there too, they they had two other misses that were miscommunications, and and just I, I looked at it briefly. The uh, the coach's phone came out right before we started recording, so I was able to go through all of that. Not in depth, but I was able to look at it. Uh, I think one of those, uh, one of those miscommunications I put on Rogers, and one of those I put on uh, on MVS. So it's kind of this. Uh, they're not on the same page. I, I don't think with with some of that stuff with the way, with what they're seeing, what they're reading. But I think there's there's a little fault in both of them. So I mean, I part of it, man. I don't really, I don't really know what it is. Um, it, I've seen people saying, well, Rogers doesn't have the arm strength, which Rogers clearly has the arm strength. I do know that as a quarterback starts to get older, the first thing to go is a deep ball. I I don't think that's what we're seeing. I think this might be simplistic, man. I honestly don't know. But um, I, I think part of it is just he hasn't played with a guy as fast as MVS in a while that mm-hmm. plays on like a full-time basis. And I think he's just used to, well, he's not going to be where I think he's going to be. And MVS just gets down the field faster. Like if we talk about timing, that seems small and that seems dumb. And that seems also like maybe not true, but I think it's true. Um, but that, it just takes something to get used to. I mean, MVS played some last year. He's easing into that that two role. Um, I will say what I've what I've seen about MVS is, you know, he's, he's a good deep threat. We obviously know that. He's with the strides he's made between last year and this year in terms of kind of making guys miss off the line or in the middle of a route is staggering. Like he's, he's gotten, I think, better at kind of some of that quick stuff, some of that middle of the field, uh, gaining so little more separation by himself in addition to the scheme. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, we're, you know, it's four and one. I think you kind of look at what this team has done and you've talked about it a lot here. I know I've talked a lot as well is that they they're four and one. They don't feel like they've, they've started clicking yet. I think those are coming. I think they're going to start getting on the same page for whatever reason. They're not there yet, but I think they're getting closer. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, last year uh, he's a rookie. 
uh, Rodgers took some of those shots and actually overthrew him a number of times. I mean, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots game. There was a big overthrow. The Bears game, there was a big overthrow. And Rodgers just missed him. It, it seems like they're just not quite on the same page. And to your point, it, Rodgers hasn't had a lot of guys in the past that can run like him. I mean, even Jordy Nelson in his prime was not as purely fast as someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those kinds of connections take time. I think a lot of people forget that that the Jordy Nelson connection did not happen overnight. Uh, Brian Gudikins talked about sitting in the, in the booth in the Super Bowl watching the game and wondering early on if Jordy Nelson was a, a big mistake. And, and then all of a sudden he goes off, he gets the first touchdown, and, and we know what happened from there. So I, I have been trying to preach put some patience on this, uh, and, and frankly, to no avail. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball because Jair Alexander has been someone who has been playing outstanding football, and then all of a sudden he goes out on Sunday and, and does not look like the guy that, that we're used to seeing. Although in some ways, I, I think it's fair to say that he was exactly the guy that we expect with his aggressiveness. The Dallas Cowboys were able to use that against him. From your standpoint, what was what was going on with the defense, and, and is there a cause for concern here? I think, uh, you know, we, we saw it, I think, especially the first couple of weeks, and, and I think – think a little more um it's it's been a little less but i think it's still there i think kellen moore is is a very good offense coordinator i think he does a very good job at attacking the weaknesses of an opposing defense he did a lot of stuff and i just talked about the cowboys playing single high packers played a lot of single high and from the jump the cowboys were running a bunch of that stuff to try to basically try to isolate cooper on alexander uh try to take away that stick that safety out of the equation and just isolate those guys and it worked really really well for for alexander's uh Alexander's part. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he is, he is who we thought. Uh, he went up against Amari Cooper, who is, you know, drops aside, a really, 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 really good wide receiver, a tremendous route runner, uh, uses his feet ridiculously well. And I think, uh, you know, the Cowboys were looking to isolate him. And I don't know if the Packers were just like, well, let's, let's see if he can do it. And, and thought they felt good about putting him on an Island. Um, and they did. And then he got burned a lot because he was, I mean, that, 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 uh, the sluggo on the uh, on the touchdown pass was a perfect example. I mean, that was he went to jump that slant, and there was no one over the top. And based on those routes, where he knew there was no one over the top, and so that that was one kind of one of those things that he was a little little too aggressive. But it's also he's a second year guy. He's made that jump. Traditionally, cornerback is one of the hardest positions in the mm-hmm. league to just jump right into. That's something you ease into. Usually, it's not until a lot of times you're three or four until you start to see that jump. We're seeing that with Alexander now. So I, I don't. I honestly have not paid attention too much to to what people are saying. Uh, I don't think it's a sign at all. I don't think it's a fatal flaw. It's one of those things. He is aggressive. This is who he is. They can even those things out. It was. It was a bad game. Uh, it was a bad game to where he still had quite a few really really nice plays as well. He just also got torched to the tune of 200 yards. Like it, it happens. He's a young second year aggressive guy. I, does, I, I'm not yeah. really concerned about it at all. Well, what, what I think is interesting too, is on that play, you mentioned the slugo, you know, it's late in the fourth quarter by midway through the fourth quarter Packers are, are up double digits. And this is when you expect most defensive coordinators to be playing prevent. Yeah. And Mike yeah. Patton was not in prevent. He is playing single high press man and letting Jair Alexander cover Amari Cooper. And, and, Okay, we can question the wisdom of that idea, but how yeah. much are Packer fans wailing and gnashing their teeth if Mike Patton is back there playing two deep safeties, playing soft coverage, and letting them just complete pass after pass after pass underneath? 
So it's it's sort of funny that that Mike Pettin did the thing that that Packer fans probably wanted him to do, and that was stay aggressive and stay with their game plan, and that was what ended up costing them. I do wonder how things would have changed if Darnell Savage had not gotten hurt, because on that sluggo, it was Will Redden back there, not Darnell Savage, and his speed yeah. is a difference maker. It seems to me of of all of the players on the back end. With his defense, given the way that Kevin King played, I mean, he was awesome on Sunday. That that Savage is one of those guys who has already stepped into a role where the drop-off between him and the next guy is pretty considerable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's it, you talk about that speed. I mean, if, if that's Amos back there or something, Amos is still very good. Amos is solid. Amos is a better choice than, than say, Redmond. Uh, but, yeah, I mean <laughs> – yeah, I, I mean, it's insane what we're talking about, considering where the safety position has been the past yeah. couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, Savage as a rookie, you know, five games into his rookie career. Yeah, the drop off is considerable. I mean, he his it's not just his speed. I mean, you've seen it, too. I know you have the, just his his instincts, his first step, uh, how he reads stuff, that stuff that's so advanced for a rookie. Uh, he's, it's remarkable what he's doing. So there, there is I think the news today was I didn't really hear. And here specifically, I guess I heard that it's not as bad as they were thinking, which is good uh, because, yeah, Savage has been just a tremendous, tremendous uh, player in that back end for the Packers uh, defense. And it's, it's, it's hard to replace that. All right, we're going to get back to Dusty in just a second. But before we do, I want to talk to you about my bookie. There are a lot of options when it comes to online gambling, and it's becoming easier than ever to gamble on the Internet and in some states even in person but that doesn't mean all of those places are trustworthy and my bookie is. Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and the best lines relative to any other sports book out there. They've got more lines for sure too because they'll create a prop about just about anything. That means more ways for you don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. Right now, mybookie will double your first deposit just for listening to this show. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code locked on to activate the offer, and they will double your first deposit. That's mybookie.ag with the promo code locked on to double, double your first deposit. Free money because at mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid listen up Packer fans here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears Packers game week 15 this game could be for the division and Brewtown Trading Co wants to send you and a buddy for free Brewtown is your number one destination in Wisconsin for buying selling and trading sports cards and memorabilia here is how to enter. You can go to Brewtown Store on 76th and Cold Spring, just off 894 in Greenfield, to receive five entries to win when you mention Locked on Packers. While you're there, check out the shop. They're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events, so follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked on Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield. And on Facebook and Twitter, Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. All right, back to Dusty. 
Yeah, one of the things defensively too, um, ESPN matchup had a tweet about uh, the Packers are the number one defense at creating pressure with four guys. And yeah. to me, that is so critical to what they're able to do defensively. When you when you watch this game, I mean, I know that, that the sack numbers were not gaudy. The pressure numbers are not gaudy, although, you know, three sacks from, you know, the, the Smiths. And then I, I think there were seven or eight QB hits in this game. But when, when you look at how Green Bay wants to play, I mean, being able to rush four seems like it's a pretty a pretty huge part of how Mike Patton wants to play. I and mean, we've seen it through five games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I mean that's I, that's pretty much true of every defense. If you can right sure four, <laughs> you got you got more guys back. But I mean, it's yeah, it's it's to me the interesting thing. I mean, the great thing that I I just absolutely love is how he's able to manufacture that pressure. It's not just hey, go get that guy. Um, but I mean, we saw it last year, kind of what he was able to do with with Fackrell and making Fackrell into a double digit sack guy. And now he's able to do that because of the guys he has up front. He's still able to use some of that stuff while being safer on the back end. It's uh. Man, it's a, it, I, it's one of those. I, I I typically just focus on the pass game, but I have been I found myself watching way more of the defense uh, this year, just because it's been so much fun to watch, man. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought up the pass game because I want to get back to the offense uh, before we finish up. And and you know I was watching some of the the 49ers on Monday night and what they do and mm. some of their run game and and I think it was it was Brian Baldinger, but it, it could have been Dan Orlovsky. Each of those guys had some some breakdowns of the Packers run game. And what was interesting was we, we saw some of the jet sweep motion and how that was able to influence defenders and some of the fullback motion and how that was able to influence defenders. And we saw that from Kyle Shanahan as well in the run game. And it seems like, and, and you're, you are certainly more the expert on this than I am, but it seems like Matt LaFleur has taken sort of equal parts of each of their game in terms of the run game and the play action game and has, has, put his imprint on this run game in particular in terms of, you know, what he's able to do with motion and setting up this Packers run game to be successful with Aaron Jones, who was awesome on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's, um, I, I, you talk about jet sweep. I can't let jet sweep go by without mentioning how much I hate Geronimo Allison running jet sweep. Like there's, <laughs> there's zero reason for that. I think there's, there's a, there's a misconception that I hate Geronimo Allison. I don't really, but he's slow and not elusive. And he, that's the last guy you want to run yeah. those jet sweep motion. So give me, uh, give me Darius Shepard or man, it'd be nice to have a guy like Trevor Davis. That'd be, that'd be sweet. I wonder where he is. Mm-hmm. Right now. Um, but you get, you get some of that stuff. I mean, we have seen some of that and I mean, it is interesting because we've seen that and not in as heavy a doses as we thought, certainly not as heavy as, as you know, what McVay does. And we've seen play action, but not the level of, of Shanahan. And, and some of that is you wonder, I mean, you've mentioned this before. I know we, we you and I have kind of even talked about this before that it seems like, uh, it seems like this is, we're still seeing the beginnings of, of some mm-hmm. of these things. We're still yep. seeing some setup for stuff down the road. We're seeing these, these glimpses we're seeing these glimpses of heavy play action we're seeing these glimpses of of misdirection off of jet sweep uh, we've seen a couple kind of short pitches now or, or short shovel passes to the jet sweep man which which you got you know you do to keep the defensive honest but we you've, you've we've started to see some of that stuff but not in the heavy doses i expected i suspect we're going to be seeing more of that um you know it's not going to be it's not going to look exactly like mcveigh it's not going to look exactly like shanahan um We've certainly seen concepts out of both those guys that LaFleur has done. And we've seen stuff from what LaFleur did last year at Tennessee that we haven't seen yet this year that I know he's going to do. But right now, it's funny to say, man, we're past the quarter point. We're five games into this point. I still think a lot of the stuff we're seeing is still kind of setting up. So I almost hesitate to, uh, 
I, I do think you're correct, but I also hesitate to kind of put too many labels on it just yet. Cause I do feel like they're still just, they're still waiting to break loose. They're still just yeah. setting the stage for what's to come down the road. Well, when you've written about this and, and I've talked about it on the show, so much of what Matt LaFleur wants to be with that illusion of complexity and with showing one thing and making it look like one thing and having it be another thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, it really seems to me that having a sort of unscouted offense early in the year was a double-edged sword for Matt LaFleur because you can't set things up if teams haven't seen it. And, and we saw just one play, the Danny Vitale uh, fullback wheel that yes. that turned into multiple other plays in this Cowboys game. And it was very clearly influenced by what they ran against Denver. The, the Cowboys knew it was coming and, and they planned for it and it allowed Matt LaFleur to set up these other things. And I just, it seems to me that they are going to be able to, as they put more on tape, that it just makes Matt LaFleur, his favorite thing is to show a play and come back later with a counter for that play. And and until he's able to show enough film to defenses that this is what we do as a team, he can't set up all those counters that he wants. It just, it seems to me, and, and tell me what you think about this, that as the season goes along, the more stuff the Packers put on tape, the more effective they're going to be, which seems counterintuitive, but it's because I think Matt LaFleur is going to be able to show more things to a defense that they've seen before and make it something else that they're not expecting. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's absolutely true. That is absolutely – I mean, we, when we saw that, I mean, you mentioned the Vitaly uh, kind of vertical route there that we saw and what they ran off of it this week, and that was hitting Aaron Jones a lot underneath, and they jump Aaron Jones, and then you hit Vitaly on a little out route. I mean, one of my favorite concepts uh, that that we've seen out of that whole tree and that we saw LaFleur do as well last year uh, – Green Bay did it last year as well. I mean, it's not like Green Bay didn't do it, but you get that, uh, that play-action rollout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, and instead of you get that tight end kind of blocking down and releasing to the flat, which they've done a thousand times already this year. I mean, it's just, it's a very basic concept. It's something they do, you know, multiple times a game. Instead of doing that, you've kind of used, you just continue that block across the line and wheel up the other side. That's something that we've not seen yet, but like you said, that's repetition, right? I mean, that's, you keep running that same thing. You teams have seen this now. 20 plus times out of green Bay. And you're like, well, he's, he's hitting the slam. He's coming back on the flat. He's coming back on the flat. Then suddenly you're looking at that and you run and you run up the other side. It's a wheel up the other side of the field. There's no one there. I mean, this, it's something that's going to be coming, but like you said, it's, it's, you're setting that up. You're setting all of that stuff up. You're getting defenses to read those tendencies. You're getting defenses, not even just jump. Like it's not even aggressive. It's just jump. You're just looking for a defenses to lean. You need defense a step in the wrong direction. And you're just, and you're just building that. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly right there with you. I think we've seen over the past couple of weeks, we've seen that open up a little more. We've started to see some of those counters to tendencies, uh, but I don't think we're there all the way yet, but I do think we're getting there within the next, I think we're getting there before the bye week. I mean, they're, they're getting there soonish. I think it's just a matter of, yeah, you, they said you can't, you can't play counter to a tendency if you haven't set the tendency yet. So uh, it's something I know I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it's, it's a, I don't know, man. As soon as they hit that wheel up the opposite sideline off the play action uh, rollout, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just jump up and down. <laughs> it's one of those things, too. Matt LaFleur said in his press conference on Monday, you know, he was asked about trying to marry what he does with what the Packers are good at. And he said, look, that's that's the job of a coach. You come in with a scheme mm-hmm. and a philosophy and then you have to see what your players do well. And if you're not able to adapt then you're not doing a good job as a coach. So for Matt LaFleur to say that, I mean, I I was like, that is the most impressive thing he's said in front of a microphone since he's been in Green Bay. And I I think it should give a lot of Packer fans hope to what this offense 
can be dusty. This was awesome. Uh, we could, uh, you and I could do this all day. And in fact, we literally could because, um, we cover the Packers for the same website now, which is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. why don't you let do. uh, my audience know where they can find more of the work that you do? Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on Twitter at dusty evely. I, I post some clips over there, but I do weekly, two weekly film breakdowns. I do one over on she said TV that, that usually hits on Thursdays. That's kind of a, a smattering, say six to seven plays. I, I typically, I tend to try to group different ones that I see some of the illusion complexity showing some of that. What have they run uh, versus, you know, out of this, whatever, I don't want to get into it. And you can, you can read about it on Thursdays, I guess. Uh, so I do that on Thursdays. So six to seven plays. And then on Fridays over at Packer report where you and I are, are colleagues over there. Um, I typically take one or two plays and, and dive a little deeper, get a little more into the nitty gritty. Sometimes this past week was, kind of the mesh concept, which is an old West coast uh, turned air raid concept and what LaFleur has done with that so far this year. So I could dive into the, you know, some of the history of that. So uh, Thursday is kind of more of a, a broad, just air, and everything's passing game. So it's kind of a more of a broad look at the passing game for the previous week. Whereas Friday is more of a deep dive into one or two concepts and kind of, kind of talking through some of that stuff. Uh, that's, that's, that's where I'm at now. Um, it's been a really fun season, man. It really has, Dusty. That is called playing complimentary football with your content. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> and especially with a new offense, uh, Dusty is a must-follow for Packer fans who want to get into some of the nitty-gritty of the concepts. I learn something every time he he does one of those pieces, and I am very grateful that he was able to take some time to join us today on Locked on Packers. Yeah, much appreciated. Thank you, Peter. All right, I want to thank Dusty again for joining the show uh, he is his breakdowns really are great, and the, the Packer beat is really lucky to have a number of really smart, uh, really adept film guys, and, and and you know hopefully we'll get some film girls here, some gals, some ladies, and anyone who wants to get in the mix. Frankly, uh, it doesn't matter your gender or how you identify. Uh, break down some Packers film. That'd be great. Love it, Packer fans. This is a, this is a big tent. Let's broaden the tent. And let's get everyone and anyone on board here. Uh, we have Crossover Wednesday. Uh, we have our Thursday show, Scouting Report show, Detroit Lions. Uh, first of two games against the Detroit Lions. This one at home on Monday night football. And it should be a lot of fun. Two good teams. This is the first time in a while, uh, probably going back to 2016, that the Packers and the Lions are facing off on somewhat equal footing, both good teams playing for, for first place in the division. And, you know, it, it, it seems weird, but the Packers and the Lions over the last few years have played for first place more than the Packers and the Bears. And that's weird, but look it up. It's true. I looked it up. It's true. Uh, so this is a this is a big game, a momentous game. Green Bay is, is 16th in the strength of schedule evaluation that ESPN did. So they're right in the middle. They don't have a hard schedule. They don't have an easy schedule. They just have a schedule in terms of strength of schedule. But, you know, plenty of plenty of teams going to be fighting for playoff position as we move down the stretch here. So Green Bay, you know, they're going to have to get better. They're going to have to continue their march forward. And as Dusty and I talked about, you know, this offense has to, has to really catch its stride and, and show some of the things that, that maybe it, it has been saving. You can't save that stuff forever all right remember you can follow me on twitter at peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers you can like us on facebook you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes on spotify on google podcasts 
Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.